Y'all won't see that your glory. Let your glory be above all these. We can have our seats. Let your glory be. Let your glory be above all these. Let your glory be above. Let your glory be above. Let your glory be, let, I can't hear everybody, glory be above all the earth. Glory to God. Glory to God. It's your word I believe. Your word is all I need. It's your word I believe. It's your word, I believe your word, your word, is your word, I believe. It's your word, I, your word is everything, your word is everything, it's your word, it's your word, I believe your word, your, your word. Lamp unto my feet, lamp unto my feet, light unto my path, light unto my path. It's your word, it's your word, I believe. Your word, your word. Can you hold the hands of your neighbor or someone to your left and to your right? You can do that by faith as well. <laughs> Alright, and say with me, Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus, we ask that we receive insight and revelation into your word. Our questions are answered, our doubts are dissolved, our needs are met, nothing missing, nothing broken, no stone is left unturned, the power of confusion is dispelled, the burden of ignorance is lifted, and so much clarity in the atmosphere. And let us just say, Amen, glory, hallelujah. Alright, so it's the eternal salvation lawsuit, and this is the sixth year in. Okay, day six. And we have come quite a long way, and we have still have a longer way to go. <laughs> Alright, so, um, well, it's beautiful today. Um, so, um, over the past couple of weeks, we've been um, um, making a defense uh, against the claims of the plaintiff with the exhibits, uh, exhibits he has pre um, presented uh, um, to, to prove that a believer can lose his salvation, and we have been able to um, prove everything uh, uh, to show out that all those arguments crumble beneath the weight of uh, clear evidence. All right. Last week, you know, we examined John 15, and just like I predicted, we spent the entire time with John 15. All right. But very importantly was the fact that we got to understand how that that discourse was not actually focusing on two people, but three different categories of people. Okay. Those who <laughs> use your smile. Those <laughs> those who were not in Him. Okay. What would happen to them? They would be, they will be cast forth. 
they will be what burned okay then we have those who are in him there are two categories those who are in him but unfruitful what will they do he will take them up so that they can bear fruit but those who are in him that are fruitful we what we prone them to the end that what they bear more fruit hallelujah let me see you if you if you got if you understood that last week all right that's beautiful so today is very beautiful today we are officially moving to the epistles so we finally journeyed away from the um four gospels to the epistles and uh, we started with the book of romans all right so let's romance this book for for today i think between i think if we are very fast today we'll be able to move out of romans as well just three romans so hopefully we'll be able to deal with at least three today and move to the next all right so um before we continue our bibles on our chest and our other hand up for our legal oath all right on the premise that we believe that the bible um, does not contradict itself all right can we say um i believe in the bible i believe that the bible does not contradict itself i believe that the bible is consistent just as god is therefore i solemnly pledge that i will not conclude on my thoughts and personal opinions but i stand with whichever arguments triumphs in the light of well-explained and well-corroborated bible texts i choose to let the bible speak for itself so help me god amen all right so um you know, just like i said a fortnight ago you know um the, just like um that was a quote by a man of god a couple of um few centuries ago that just like that only diamond can cut diamond okay you should view the bible such as such let the bible always explain let scripture explain scripture so don't just see a verse and say ah this is what you should mean no let scripture explain scripture okay so we don't just use our biases or else that will lead us into exegesis okay but we are here for exegesis okay to lead out so we are allowing the bible to speak for itself and we understand okay so it's important to remember our caveat uh, is that what if a believer can ever truly lose his salvation it must be proven so in the light of well explained and well corroborated bible texts otherwise the argument is considered invalid and therefore annulled or disannulled or nullified or rendered void. Hallelujah. All right. So, um, Romans chapter 6, our next argument, Romans chapter 6 and verse 1. And please let be very fast. So, let's see if we can cover so much today. Romans 6, verse 1. Are we there? All right. So, what does it say? It says, what? what shall we say? Now, can we read together, everybody? want to go. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Or can you see that? And the response is what? God forbid. Can you see that? Okay? So, uh, um, you know, that's one argument um, the plaintiff brings. Either you are saying something, that you cannot lose your salvation and everything. You have to do it anyhow. See? Grace cannot abound. You've seen and everything. 
So um, now, is Paul saying here that if a Christian continues with a sinful life, grace will no longer be sufficient for him? Huh? This we can see clearly. God forbid. Huh? Is that what Paul is saying here? Alright, well, I need to say this before we start, before we continue, because we are focusing on the epistles now. Epistles basically are letters, written letters, in which we can see um, a build-up of information as the time goes, because basically it is written with one line of thought. You know, unlike the, unlike the um, four Gospels that were, that were a compilation of different events over different occasions, okay? So they could be addressing many different things. Okay, and they may not always have a line of a very clear line of thought. Okay, but the focus, I mean, the epistles always have a focus, a major focus. So I want you to notice that what um, every letter, epistles are letters. Okay, so every letter, and it's important for you to think of this because I said this in the Bible and the believer, I will exhibit um, B. All right, and it's very important. Okay, every letter has a tiny line of thought. Now, I like I always say, I use the word tiny. As an adjective there to explain how delicate it is. That is very delicate. Okay? That's a tiny line of thought. Okay? If you miss that line of thought, you have missed the old message. Alright. So you're going to pay attention to the line of thought. Or else you're going to um, call you're going to um, commit uh, uh, a sacrilege. <laughs> Shall I use that? Okay? You're going to um, misquote God. Alright, so it's important for us to pay attention to that. Okay, so what exactly is Paul saying? Now, let me start from here. It's important to note this. Okay, that statement in um, that begins verse 2, that God forbid, actually. It's important for you to know that it actually has nothing to do with an action from God. Okay? Now, what is God in the Greek? Is what Theos, right? But if you check the origin of the word, you will not see Theos here. Most likely in your version, you won't see God for it was there in your version. Certainly not. Can you see that? Okay? So it's not it's not talking about an action from God actually. Okay? In God basically in, in um, the Greek is Theos. So you see something like Theos, maybe it was forbid, maybe you will not allow something. Okay? But um, God forbid is just like a metaphorical statement to, to show the impossibility of something. Are you following me? Okay? So God forbid, the word they actually is um is um, two words. We have g- um, ginomai, G-I-N-O-M-A-I. Then we have me, M-E. And I explained in the Bible and the believer, there are two. Okay, ginomai simply means something uh, to fulfill something. Okay, that would be the fulfillment. Okay, while um, uh, or to bring something to happen or something. Now, um, why we have when we are see um, the word me, M-E in the Greek, that has an accent or is on it, or we see the word u, O-U in the Greek, it simply means a negation. Are you following me? Okay, just like what, just like when I explained on Luke one thirty seven that says, uh, "With God, nothing can be impossible." And I explained that what is rema, rema, and o or something like that to show that what no word. So when you see the word me or you see the word o in the Greek, it means a negation of what is being said. So genomai means to fulfill something like a fulfillment. Why um, o means a negation? That means what not to fulfill something. Are you following me? So in essence, it's talking about the impossibility of something happening. Are you following me? Okay. So um, it simply means no way. That's what it means. No way. All right. If you see the new international, in the new international version, you will see the word by no means. Okay. 
you see the amplified version or like my new King James version, you see the word certainly not. I think uh, if I remember very well, the ISV you are using, ISV or something like that. African International, okay, okay, so that's also certainly not. All right, <laughs> so you are laughing. All right, well, um, I, today I'm going to explain this verse uh, quite better. I know I once explained it um, a kind of uh, way that I've been hearing it often. You know, in, I got to explain it somehow in 2017 in a way that was was good in a bit to you know explain. I mean to make some things clear, but was not accurate actually. You know, the explanation of uh, um, you know, we are not in sin. The believer is not in sin. The believer is in Christ. So it's not possible to be in sin. Yeah, that's kind of explanation. Actually, that's not accurate. So today I will be explaining it um, very accurately towards what exactly is going. So the question is, what exactly is Paul saying? Okay, is Paul saying that if a believer continues to live a sinful life, or uh, continues with a sinful life, grace will no longer be sufficient for him? Okay. Now it's important to note something that he had earlier said. Move to move to two verses before, two verses before that chapter five verse twenty. Okay, move to two verses before chapter five verse twenty. Are we there? Are we there? Okay, look at can we can we read verse uh, chapter five verse twenty together? Okay, what okay want to go? Moreover, sin entered. I mean, the law entered that offense might abound, but where sin abounded. Grace did much more abound. Okay, can you see that? See that what grace abound much more. So what is the statement here? What did Paul um what did Paul um 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 uh, spell out completely here? That was when sin sin abounds, what grace abounds much more. Are you following me? So Paul has said that earlier already. Right or right? Huh? Okay, then I said that so that our sin reign in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Okay, then I moved ahead to, to shall we continue to sin that grace may abound. So, so could Paul be suddenly contradicting himself? Huh? Do you think, do you think Paul would, because number one, we, we know that it's, it's, it's not possible. He said he was drunk. Okay? We know he was not drunk though. But where I'm going is that, let's say it was even possible. I know it's not possible. Okay? But let's say it was even possible for you to want to contradict yourself. It can't be so sudden like that. I just say, you can die tomorrow. Next statement, you can never die tomorrow. <laughs> it's, it's too sharp. Okay? Alright, so Paul could not have been contradicting himself. It's very important to pay attention to that. He said that what we are seeing abounded, grace did that much more abounded. That's one of the verses I, I, I put forward to us in the first hearing about how that grace is greater than sin. You know, the word used for much more, abound much more, is the word upa perisuo. Okay? It has to show, it, it has to show a superabundance. Alright, like I explained. Okay, so Paul could not have been contradicting himself. So important, let us investigate. Shall we? Alright, let's go ahead. Alright, now let's move, uh, let's start from the first chapter, chapter one. Please let it very fast with our Bibles. So, so we'll be able to understand, you know, I, I explained a number of times that when we read the epistles, we need to know the, 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 the person talking. Okay, the author. We need to know the, uh, the recipients. Okay, we need to know a number of things. Alright, look, it says, Paul, a born servant of Jesus Christ, called an apostle. Okay, so, um, you see the word to be, to be an apostle, you see the word to be there in italics. Okay, basically called an apostle, or called to be an apostle, either way, but it was fulfilled, was um, when he was speaking, separated to the gospel of God, which he promised through his prophet in the Holy Scriptures. So, who is the, who is the author of this letter? 
Paul. Okay, but now to maybe see the, the last chapter, chapter 16. Paul actually didn't write the letter. It was Tertius that wrote the letter, but it was Paul's words. You dictated it to him. Okay, so it is Paul. So this is Paul's letter. Okay, now who are the recipients? Verse 3. Um, concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Through him we have received grace and apostleship to, or for the obedience of faith among all nations for his name. Now pay attention. Now there is, among, among whom you also are the called of Jesus Christ. Now, look at what it now says. To all who are in Rome, beloved of God, called saints, peace to you and grace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So who are the recipients of the letter? The saints in Rome. Huh? Are, you, are you with me? That means it's Paul's letter to the church, the Christians in Rome. Why the right? Huh? Okay, move to um, um, chapter 3. So don't forget, what, what did he call them? He called the Christians what? Saints. Why the right? Huh? Alright, but now pay attention. Much about 3, verse 24. Alright. Says what? Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Being justified what? What's the adverb there? Freely. Can you see the word there? Freely. Okay? So it shows that what it is something that was free. So it is not a function of our works. Why do I write? Huh? Okay, move to chapter 4. Just building up from there. Chapter 4, verse 16. Are we there? He says what? Therefore it is of faith that it might be according to grace. Okay? So that the promise might be sure to all the seed. Not only to those who are of the law, but also to all those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Okay, so we talk about what? Grace. Talk about what? Faith. Right or right? Huh? Okay? So it's not a function of works. Okay? Okay, look at um, um, verse... Okay, let's move to chapter 5 very fast. Chapter 5. Are we there? Now it, says, it says, Therefore, be justified by faith. Not by works, but by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Alright? Um, through whom also we have received access by faith into this grace we, in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And please pay attention. It says, and not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulations produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not disappoint or make ashamed KJV, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So do you confirm that the Holy Spirit has been given to us? Okay. Now, now pay attention. So it's important for us to learn one thing very important to always pay attention to Bible tenses. Are you following me? So you know, two important things to pay attention to when we when we learn of our reality from the Bible is learn to use Bible terms Bible way. T E R M S. Learn to use Bible terms Bible way. So don't let the dictionary define what a word should mean should mean to you. Okay? Because the dictionary and the Bible do not always agree. Alright, learn to use Bible terms, Bible way, and also what learn to use Bible tenses, Bible way. So wherever you see past tense, it shows that it has happened already. When you see present tense, it shows that it is happening. When you see future tense, it means it will happen. So always use them the way you see it. Are you following me? So verse 5 says the word, the Holy Spirit who, are, who was given to us. So is it something that is going to happen or something that has happened already? Huh? 
Okay, that's past. Now verse 6 says what? For when we were still without strength. So, is it our present state or our past state? Huh? Okay. When we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. Says what? Now pay attention. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone will even dare to die. What Paul is explaining to us is something that's beautiful about what Jesus did. You no, know, we have explained um, from the beginning, before we got here, that what this is something by grace. Okay. Now he says that what, so what Paul is explaining in verse 7 is how that what, for a, a, a good man, someone that is very good, that is very nice, like people, no matter how nice you are, no one will want to die for you. Okay? Now, it now says that, but, but for a good man, some might even dare to die. For example, one example I use often is, for example, maybe, ah, he was, he has been thinking of my family for so long, you know, he has been the one that has been doing this, doing that, he has paid for my student's school fees, giving them scholarship for the next many years and everything. Oh, I can still die there. You know, so you say that what, for someone that is good, some people might still dare to die. Are you following me? Might still dare to die. But you say that what, in our own case, <laughs> We're not to write them about. Look at what it says in the next verse, verse 8. That was, but, you see, but means a word, a contradiction. That was, but God demonstrated his own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners. Can you see that? Christ died for us. So, you see how, unlike a good man, that some might dare to die because they feel he deserves it. But we, we did not deserve it. While we were what? Yet sinners, Christ what? Died for us. So, being sinners, from the terms used in the Bible, is it our present state or our past state? Uh, our past state? Huh? Our past, where we were still sinners. Is that what I talk about? Was using Bible terms, Bible way. You have to use Bible terms, Bible way. You tend to use Bible tenses, Bible way. The dictionary will define a sinner as someone that is doing something wrong. But the Bible defines a sinner, okay, as someone that has not received what God did, okay, and described that as our past. Are you following me? Okay. So he said that what while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. It is much more than having now been justified. So justification is it something that will happen or something that will happen to us? Okay. Having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. That's talking about what the future um the future wrath. Okay? The future destruction of sinners. Okay? Now it says what um for if when we were enemies, so is it our present or our past? Huh? Our past. When we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son. Much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. And not only that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have received the reconciliation. I think KJV is the word atonement. Okay, it means reconciliation. Now pay attention. Alright, it says, well, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world, and death through sin. So who is that one man? When you pay attention to you, you get it. Okay? And thus sin spread, uh, death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sin. For unto the Lord sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from who? So what's the source of, of death and sin? Adam. Okay, so verse 12, when it says, just as through one man sin entered into the world. So think about what? The one man is who? Adam. Okay? So you see that what sin was not in the world. Who introduced sin to the world? Adam. Alright. Okay? Um, okay, so verse 14. Nevertheless, death went from Adam to Moses, even over those who are not seen according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is the type of him who is to come. But the what? The free gift. 
Now, you probably have to pay attention, but the free gift to the word free gifts being used there. Okay? Okay? But the free gift is not like the offense. For by one man's offense, many died. Much more. And see, you see that what in comparison to um, between sin and grace, in comparison to grace, you always see the word much more. Much more the grace of God and the gift by grace of one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. Look at that what he calls it. He calls it what free gift. Can you see that? Because it was free gift. Okay, so what is the free gift? Pay attention to what you have been saying so far. What do you say in verse 1? We have been what? Huh? Verse, verse 9, what do you say? Having now be what? So what is the free gift? Huh? Justification, which is also what? Declaration, which is what? Righteousness. Alright. Now it's but to be clear as we follow. So he calls it what what does he call he calls it what a free gift. Don't forget, normally a gift is something free. Right or right? Okay? But you see that you see a kind of double emphasis. For you to know that this thing is not something you work for. It is a free gift. Are you with me? Okay, now follow. Says what now it's going to get clearer. Says, but the free gift is not like the offense. That's verse sixteen. Look at verse six, um, verse fifteen. Sorry, verse sixteen now says, and the gift is not like that which came through the one who sent. For the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation. Look at but the free gift. You see, you use the word free gift again, which came from many offenses resulted in justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned through one. Much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of what? Can you see that? Have you confirmed that now? Okay, that the gift is what? Huh? Righteousness. Okay, and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Now follow. Now it says, therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, that's Jesus, the other man, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For if by one man's offense, as by one man's offense many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience many will be made righteous. Moreover, okay, it says, moreover, sorry, in a moment, okay, so moreover the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, what happened? Grace did much more abound. Say what the law entered. That means the law was not actually a part of the plan in the first place. Okay, I've explained that in a number of um, in teachings about the law. But it, what it came into the picture. Okay? Okay, it says what? That offense might abound. So important for you to know this one major purpose of the law. Okay? One major purpose of the law was to reveal sin. Okay, thus exposing man's flaws every time. That one major purpose of the law was to reveal sin, and as a result, expose man's um, man's flaws every time. In a moment, let's move to chapter three, verse twenty. We'll move back to chapter five in a moment. See verse twenty of chapter three. Are we there? Chapter three, verse twenty. Are we there? It says what? Therefore, by the deeds of the law, shall no flesh be justified in his sight. Say what? For by the law is what? Is what the knowledge of sin. Can you see that? So the only major purpose of the law was to reveal sin and thus expose man's flaws every time. Okay? So what one thing we have seen so far from examining chapter five basically is that what the law showed the significance 
of Adam's of Adam's sin more clearly. Right or right? Huh? The law showed the significance of Adam's sin more clearly. Okay? And Jesus' sacrifice showed the significance of God's grace more clearly. Alright. See verse 20 again. See that moreover the law entered that our offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. So which is greater? Adam's sin or God's grace? Huh? God's grace. Okay, now that's what so that our sin reigned in death. And that reign has come to an end. He said what even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ. Our Lord. He now says that what, what shall so he has, he has established an argument or, or he has established a fact. Okay. He now says what shall we say then? That word then there means therefore. What shall we say therefore? So he's talking about what now on the premise of what we have said. Okay. Are you following me? That word therefore means or then means on the premise of what we just said. So he says what it means that since we have established this fact already. Are you following me? So what conclusion are we making of it? Are you following me? Okay? Should so that is saying that we have established this fact already that grace is greater than sin. Okay? What conclusion are we making of it? Should we keep sinning so that grace will keep abounding much more? Are you following me? Are you following me? It will, it will make more sense as you follow me. But is it making sense to you? Okay? So um, now that I've established that grace is greater than sin. So, should we, as Christians, keep sinning so that grace will keep abounding much more? Since we are established that we are sinning abounding, grace is much more abounding. So, we want to use God to do some experiments. Okay, let me sin more and let grace. Okay, something like that. Okay, let's just see. So, in our answers by saying what? Of course not. Certainly not. Are you following me? Now, follow what he says that follows that. See everything he says that follows that. He says, certainly not. Look at, how shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? So, as the Christian died to sin already, huh? Okay. So he says that without can we that died to sin live any longer in it? He says that what? Or do you not know that as many of us now, if we follow the context, you see that what he still presents an assurance even in his argument, just like he presented in uh, chapter five verse twenty that grace is greater than sin. Okay. He says that what? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him by baptism into death. Okay? Um, sorry? Okay? Into death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. So, you see that what, this, um, what we have received actually is a propel, is a propel, uh, it actually propels us to walk in newness of life. Right or right? Huh? Right or right? So yet, Paul is talking about conduct, right or right? Not, he's not talking about uh, our states in Christ, but what conduct. Are you following me? Okay? Now, now say that what? For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly, or what is it, what word is used in KJV? It's certainly here. Chapter 5, verse 5. I'm chapter 6, verse 5. Okay, okay, so he said, what, for if we have been united in the likeness of his death, says, certainly we shall also in the likeness of his resurrection. Okay, that's talking about the future resurrection of our bodies, right or right? Huh? He said, what, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. 
Can you see that? Don't forget, he explained earlier that what we are dead to sin, right or right? So we should not live in it anymore. Right or right? Right or right? Okay? So now say that what for he who has died, verse 7, has been freed from sin. So as the Christians be freed from sin, huh? Okay? Now says what? Now, pay attention. If we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. That's our, the future resurrection of our bodies. Right or right? Okay? Now says what? Um, knowing that Christ, now pay attention please. Knowing that Christ, don't forget, look at verse 8 again, before I move to verse 9, it says, now if we died with him, we believe that we shall also live with him. Does that present an assurance? Huh? Okay, now it says, knowing that Christ having been raised from the dead, pay attention. So, you know, you have said that our, our death was fashioned after Christ's death. So our resurrection will also be fashioned after Christ's resurrection. Why the right? Okay, now that's that what verse 9. That what knowing that Christ having been raised from the dead dies no more. See what death no longer has dominion over him. Okay? Okay? Now says what for the death that he died, he died to sin what? How many times? Once. Once, if you see other versions, clear version like my version and your version as well, you see once for all. Okay? That word once in the Greek is what the word um epapax. Okay? It's one thing I will get to explain in December's teaching. Okay? Epapax, E P M H A P A X. That really means once and for all. That's what it means. Once for all. It means so when you see once for all, it means once and for all time. That means he has done it once and that's an eternal relevance. Are you following me? Are you following me? Okay, so verse 10. Are we there? Let me see. Okay. Okay, look at verse, verse um, 10. It says, For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. Are you following me? Once and for all time. Are you following me? Okay, now he, he, look at what he had said earlier. Okay, before, before, before that, just let me see. How I'll do that. Okay. So you say that what is once and for all time. And don't forget, he explained earlier in verse 8 that what we died with Christ. Right or right? Right or right? Verse 8. Okay. Now verse 11. Okay. Verse 10 again. For the dead that he died, he died of sin once for all time. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. That says, likewise, you also. Verse 11. This is what, likewise, you also. You need me on likewise. That means what? Just like it happened to Jesus. Okay? So, so when he explains that what? Jesus died once and for all. And he lives. Death has no longer dominion over him. And he explains that what? We also died with him. And he says what? Likewise. So how many times did we die? Okay? Our, and our death to sin is how many times? Once and what? And for what? And for all time. Can you see that? Can you see that? So it's likewise. So show that what just like death has no longer dominion over Jesus, spiritual death has no dominion over us as well. Right or right? Huh? Are you following me? Alright. So you see that what likewise you also verse 11, reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin. Dead indeed to sin. Dead how often? Once and for all. Okay, but our life to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Okay, he now says what? Therefore, so you see that what he has he has stated our reality as Christians. So uh, he now goes. Uh, Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body. 
So yes, he's talking about um, he's talking about conduct, right? The right. Okay. So you see that what conduct should always be explained on the light of our reality in Christ. Explaining reality, I mean, sorry, explaining conduct before talking about your reality uh, is placing the cat before the horse. Are you following me? Okay. Just like I I, I got to explain that last was it last year in my teaching on honor in Ife. Okay. You know, um, and and uh, you know, explaining. Okay, so let's just follow that. Now it says what? Therefore, now that you know your reality, okay, that what you are you are free from sin, you are dead to sin, you are free from sin. Do not let sin win in your mortal body that you should obey it in its lusts, and do and do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead. And your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you. For you are not under law, but under grace. That says, what then? Shall we sin? You see that is the same question that is asking in verse 1. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law? That says, but certainly not. God forbid in KJV as well. Okay, certainly not. Since do you not know that to whom you present yourself slaves to obey, you are that one slave whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. Now I put to pay attention to Bible tense now. Now says what? But God be thanked that though you were slaves, your present or your past? Past. Huh? Okay, though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. Can you see that? Okay? I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness, of uncleanness and of lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in God of righteousness. What food did you have in the things which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. Talking about our past. But now, having been set free from sin, and having become slaves of God, you have your food to holiness and the end eternal life. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Can you see that? Huh? Okay, so, um, so is Paul saying that continuous sin can make grace stop to superabound? Huh? Is that what he's saying? No. Okay? Is Paul saying that uh, continuous sin will make um, um, grace stop to superabound? Like, you just sin like this and suddenly you just enter grace on your account and you just see, ah, insufficient funds. <laughs> huh? Is that what Paul was saying? No. Okay? So, he had established already. Okay, that where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. Why the right? Huh? Why the right? Okay, so you see that on that premise, um, that was, okay, that where sin abounded, grace much more abounds. Okay, now see that what, but am I, let's talk about Paul now, am I now implying that because of this, you can begin to sin? Certainly not. Do you get the argument now? Do you get what Paul is trying to say now? Okay, so you can see that what, um, he had established in chapter 5 already that grace is greater than sin. Right or right? Okay? So, if, if Jesus is greater than Adam, then the grace that Jesus brought is greater than the sin that Adam brought. Right or right? Huh? Okay. 
That is very true. But is grace now a license to sin? No. Do you get the argument now? Okay. Now, it's not going to get this. From Paul's statement, it's obvious that well, there's something familiar that was going on. There's something familiar that was going on that Paul was responding to. And that's what he was, he was responding to with, that, with, this, uh, with this statement. See something earlier in chapter 3. Come to chapter 3. Are we there? Chapter 3, see verse 8. Are we there? Look at something he says. Say what? And why not say, let us do evil that good may come? Is that similar? Okay, you say that what? As we, look at, as we are slanderously reported and as some affirm that we say. Can you see that? Their condemnation is just. Can you see that? So there were some people we are accusing him. Just like some people are accusing us today. Are you following me? That means there was straw man existing then. Are you following me? Okay? And that's why just like we have done so far in this series, Paul had to make clear what he is saying and also what make clear what he is not saying or what he is not implying. Okay? For the sake of critics, and licentious individuals. Are you following me? So they were stolen and because of Paul's teaching on grace, people were already taking him out of context that he was saying that we can live anyhow. Are you following me? So Paul was responding to that. That grace is not a license to sin. So Paul is not yet to say that, he's not trying to say that what if you sin. He's not even dealing with uh, if you sin, grace will no more abound or something. He's saying that what on the premise of the fact that grace is greater than sin. Are you now, am I now telling you that you should go ahead and sin? No. Is that clear? Are you sure? Okay. So, um, as the plaintiff through Romans 6, verse 1, been able to convince us that a believer can lose his salvation. Huh? Okay. So, we move. A marvelous grace of our loving God. Grace that... Um, move to verse 11. Exceeds... I'm sure it's chapter 11. That grace that exceeds our sins and our guilt, yonder on Calvary's matchless grace, there where the blood of the Lamb was spilled. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that has pardoned, grace that has pardoned and cleansed within. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than all our sin. Grace that is greater than all our sins. Romans 11 verse 21, the next um, exhibit presented by the plaintiff. Verse 21 and 22 says what? For if God did not spare the natural branches, he may not spare you either. Therefore, see, he's talking about sparing. That's what. Therefore, consider the goodness and severity of God on those who fail severity, but towards your goodness, if you continue in his goodness, otherwise you also will be cut off. Can you see that what you can but be cut off if you don't continue in his goodness? Okay, that's exactly what you get when you cherry pick verses and don't pay attention to context. Okay. Now, before we, we continue, now you see that what Romans is one book, right or right? Right or right? Don't forget, I've explained that what the Bible was not written in chapter and verses. Okay, so Paul does what a singular flow. 
Okay? Do addressing different things, but uh, writing as one piece. Okay? So before we transition into this Romans 11, it is important to pay attention to Paul's emphasis in Romans 8. This is something I said in Romans 8 very fast. Are we there? Romans 8 verse 1. Are we there? It says, well, therefore, are we there? Romans 8 1. It says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Can you see that? Who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Okay? I think a couple of you were here for my teaching in 2017. Okay? On Romans 8, 2017. Huh? I guess two or three of you were present for the teaching. Now I'm going to explain Romans 8 as a text. Okay? So there's therefore now no condemnation. I want you to know what the word condemnation there is not the way many people use it today. That maybe someone sins and you're not trying to show that God, this is how God knows is wrong to condemn believers. Ah, no. Don't, don't feel condemned. Don't feel condemned. God loves you and everything. That's not the use of condemnation there. Okay? The word condemnation here is the Greek word uh, katakrima. It's not talking about, it's not talking about um, um, maybe um, guilt, um, guilt, this, uh, a deserving of guilt, but talking about what um, katakrima means judgment. We're talking about the eternal damnation of sinners. Are you following me? Are you following me? Okay, so when it says that well, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, that means well, those who are in Christ Jesus are free from eternal judgment. Are you following me? Okay? Okay? Now it says what, who do not work according to the flesh but according to the spirit. You see in most versions, you will not see that who do not work according to the flesh but according to the spirit. You see that in few versions like KJV and some other versions. Is, is it in your version? Verse 1. Who do not work according to the flesh but according to the spirit. Okay, you see in some versions, many versions, like I think the NIV, you not see it there, and some other versions. In the amplified version, you see it in italics also. Okay, but of course it is still mentioned later. But you will find that what that statement is not basically talking about conduct, but a state. Let's follow the context. It says, For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. So that's past. That happened already. For what the law could not do, pay attention to verse three now. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh. There was something the law could not do, right or right? In that it was weak through the places, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and on account of sin, condemned sin in the flesh. So what was the thing that the Lord could not do? The Lord could not condemn sin. The Lord could not deal with sin. Are you following me? So like we saw, the law, all the Lord could do, it was just exposing sin all around, exposing man's flaws. Okay? So now pay attention. You said that what? That the righteous requirement of the law. In, in KJV, you see the word righteousness of the law. I explain that word. It's better to always pay attention to the origin of words. Yes, not the Karachin, it's the word dikayoma. It means what righteous demands, righteous requirements. Are you following me? That the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not work according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Okay? So that work according to the spirit is not talking about um, conduct, but talking about our state as believers. Pay attention, you, you see how clear that is. Therefore, those who live according to the flesh set their mind on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. You see that what if you live according to the flesh as a state, if you are that's your reality, then your affection will be towards that thing. That will now be talking about your acts. Are you following me? So you see that what your reality produces your acts. Are you following me? Your conduct. Now follow. He says what? Verse 6. He says what? For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. 
Okay, it says for um, the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. It says so then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So I want to see who are in the flesh and those who are in the spirit. It says, but you are not in the flesh, verse 9, but in the spirit. It says what? If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. So what makes you to be in the spirit? What? The indwelling of the spirit of God. So it's not talking about you are in the spirit because you you are um, in this context you are not saying you are in the spirit because you are you are doing good by the way it is you are in the spirit because you are speaking in tongues in this context you are in this in this context or that's why i say in this context before you okay so you are in the spirit why because you have the word the indwelling of the holy ghost are you following me okay and that's the promise of salvation okay that's the word verse 9 for you are not in the flesh but in the spirit if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if any man does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. That means any man that is not in the spirit, that is not the spirit of God in him, does not belong to God. Okay, now it says, but you, okay, verse, verse 10, and if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is alive because of righteousness. Now, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So that what this is actually a promise talking about what our future redemption of our bodies. You will read through the context. Talking about what the redemption of our bodies, which many people have taken today as a verse for prayer against sickness. That uh, will give life to my mortal body and everything. But it's talking about what the redemption of our bodies. That we give life to our mortal bodies through the spirit that dwells in us. That's why you receive verse, look at verse um verse um Verse 23. He says that what not only that, but we also have the who have the fruit of first fruit of the spirit, even we ourselves going within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, which is what? Verse 23. The word the redemption of our body. That was talking about in verse 11. Alright, so you want to pay attention to that. So it, as we presented an assurance already. Huh? Now move to verse 33. He says what who shall bring a charge against God's elect? Don't forget, I explained earlier that what um, there's no condemnation of those who are in Christ Jesus who do not work. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. Are you following me? Huh? Okay, that's that word. So, who shall bring a charge against God? Like, if you follow the context, that you have been talking about the law earlier. So, actually, it's, it's actually best fit to use the word what. Can I explain that word who in the Greek? Is, um, once, once it has to be a, um, once it's used as a relative pronoun, it's the word oseo. It always means who, who, it can mean who, what, which. Are you following me? Whom, whose, and whatever. So it's from the context that you derive its usage. But when it's used as a question in this, like in this state, it is the Greek word tis, T-I-S, but it's still the same use. Who, what, which, and everything. So from the context, you say what the, the, the charge against God elect is from the law. Okay? So what shall bring a charge against God elect? It is God who justifies. Can you see that? So is, is that, is that an assurance? Huh? Okay, now for the what is it that condemns? It is Christ who died, and furthermore is risen. Who is even at the right hand of God, and who also makes the session for us? Is that an assurance? Okay, that's the word. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, 
or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sorrow that it is waiting for your sake we are killed all the day long we are counted as sheep for the slaughter yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us for i am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other created thing or creature shall be able to separate us from the love of god which is in christ jesus our lord is that an assurance huh and that is the same book. So you should know that what Paul could not be giving an assurance and contradicting it at the same time at intervals. Okay? Paul was not on a seesaw. Or maybe he was not swinging on a pendulum. Okay? So you probably have to pay attention to that. So verse 11, chapter 11, talks about what being cut off. Like we saw in verse 22, that what if you continue in his goodness, otherwise you shall be cut off. So that we are dealing with now. So what is Paul talking about? What is... Who is being talked about here? And what does the stern, the stern warning mean? Now, important, don't be too hasty. Okay? Important to read holistically. I said a couple of weeks ago, I think two weeks ago, there about. Read, important to read the, the, the pieces holistically. And we should read them as a whole and not be bringing out individual parts. That was least to error many a time. Okay, so you better to follow the context. Okay, so let's investigate. See verse 13. Well, that's chapter 11, verse 13. So just we have an idea before we start. Proper, um, I mean, to um, examine it much more, more in depth. Verse 13. So, I would, for I, so who is he talking about? When he said, if you continue his goodness, otherwise you will be cut off. Look at verse 13. He said, for I speak to you Gentiles. So who are the people that Paul is talking about, talking to? Okay, but then, in as much as I am an apostle of to the Gentiles, I'm a part of So Paul is talking to Gentiles. Look at verse one. Are we there? See that what I say then? God, as God cast away His people, certainly not. For I am also an Israelite. So you use the word His people, you use the word Israelites. So you can see Israelites in the discussion as well. Right or right? Huh? You can see Gentiles in the discourse, you can see Israelites. So it looks like a discourse about the Jews and the Gentiles, doesn't it? Huh? Okay. Okay, so what now we'll find out as we, as we um, peruse is that what Paul placed them, talking about the Jews and the Gentiles, he placed them side by side. Okay? And gives the differences and, and the contrasts and similarities that exist between them. Look at chapter 1. So you, I, I'm just that, that just to give you a background idea of what's going on in chapter eleven. Now move to chapter one now. Romans chapter one. Romans chapter one. I can't remember was it twenty twenty or twenty eighteen when I visited a friend and I met one of my disciples for the first time. I know she will listen to this message soon. She asked the question on First Corinthians fourteen. I had just started chapter one. Yeah. I remember I, got, I think it was maybe close to a year later she was telling me that she was like ah <laughs> alright Romans 1 are we there are we there so don't forget it's talking about what we are talking about Jews and Gentiles a contrast and what uh, similarities now look at chapter 1 verse 1 now pay attention to the context or, or, or what Paul has been building up from, from before from the beginning. Then Paul, a bond servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle separated to the gospel of God, which he promised before through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning, look at, concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord, who was born of what? According to the flesh, he was born of the seed of what? David. So that origin, is it for the Jews or the Gentiles? Huh? 
So that is one contrast. Are you following me? Okay, just follow the context. Okay? So, um, um, but of the seed of David, look at verse 16. Are we there? Romans 1 16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. So everyone means what both Jews and Gentiles, right or right? But it now continues by saying that what? For the Jew first, and also for the Greek. Okay? What is explained in essence is that what? Everything. Everything happened among the Jews. That's basically talking about the events of the gospel. Okay, his crucifixion, his death, his, I mean his resurrection. They happened among the Jews. Are, are you following me? And even, sorry, and even the message itself was presented to the Jews first. Are you following me? Okay, it started with the Jews. Everything with the Jews before it started to spread out. You read the book of Acts as well. It started with the Jews. You listen to my message last year on the war of faith. Acts 1 8, what does it say? And you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost come upon you, and you shall bear me witness here in Jerusalem and in Judea, among the Jews. Then that goes ahead, that was in Samaria and to the world, all time was part of the earth. So it all started with the Jews. Are you following me? Okay? Look at verse 17. That says what? For in, in it. What so in what? No, no, look at verse 14, verse 16 earlier. Say that what? For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone that believes, so the Jew for also to the Greek. And I say, for in it, in what? In the gospel of Christ. Are you following me? In this gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. I've explained this a number of times. That this statement, you can see a, resp- a reference to it three times in the New Testament. Here, in Galatians as well, I think chapter 3 verse 11, and also in Hebrews chapter 10, I think verse 37 thereabouts. Okay? For the just shall live by faith. What he's saying in essence is that what? By faith. A man is... Okay, I explained that word. That word, the just shall live. Maybe I need to explain briefly. That word live there, or shall live. Because shall basically does not have an, a, an, a representation in the Greek. It live. Okay? The word live there is the word zao. Oh, is that zao? It has to do with zao. It has a strong relationship with the word zao. Okay? Zao. Okay, yes, yeah, zao. Okay, so it, it does not mean, it's not talking about a set of actions. That is just the just, the righteous will be living by faith. So when I have to pray, I'll pray by faith. When I'm walking, I'm walking by faith. When I'm waking up, I'm walking by faith. When I have to take a, a, a cup of tea, I take it by faith and everything by faith. No. It's, it shall live. Zao means to, to what? Be alive. Are you following? So when you say shall live by faith, it means what? Can come alive by faith. So it's talking about something that happened once. Okay? That's talking about salvation. That means what? By faith, a man becomes alive. That's how he becomes just. Are you following me? That's what he's saying in essence. So it's not talking about a set of actions. It's talking about something that happened once and for all at salvation. But that life is received out by what? By faith. Right or right? That, and that's how he becomes just. Now says verse, verse okay? So uh, I, I guess you have an idea. So he has, he, has, he has given a kind of contrast between the Jews and the Greeks. Otherwise, the Jews come first. At least from how the message was presented. Okay, now I mean, um, okay, just follow, follow from there. Um, verse chapter two, move to chapter two very fast. Chapter two, verse twenty-eight. Ah, can we do much today? Let's see chapter two, verse twenty-eight. Are we there? Are we there? See that what? For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision. You know, that's one thing, the major thing that differentiates a Jew from the Greek is what circumcision. Are you following me? Okay, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. Says, but he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and this and circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit, 
not in the letter, whose praise is not from men, but from God. So what is Paul saying that here? That what being born a Jew does not auto- automatically confer salvation on that individual. Are you following me? It does not automatically confer salvation on a person. Okay? He has to what? He has to believe the gospel. You know, I explained that earlier in chapter 1. Are you following me? That I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God to salvation to everyone that believes. The Jew for and also to the Greek. Are you following me? So everyone will receive salvation by what? By believing. Remember I say in the next verse, what the just shall live by faith. By faith. Believing. Are you following me? So being a Jew, that's what you say in verse 28 and verse 29 of chapter 2. That what being a Jew does not automatically confer salvation on a person. Okay? The person, he has to what? Believe the gospel. Are you following me? So yeah, he's already creating a balance between the Jew and the Gentile that what they are the same on account of salvation. Okay? Now follow. Then chapter 3, as he continues the statement, he says, what, what advantage then has the Jew? Or what is the profit of circumcision? He says, what, much in every way. You see the word his response? He much in every way. So he's saying that what the Jews truly have an advantage, right or right? Huh? Okay? He says, what, because what? Um, chiefly because to them were committed the oracles of God. Now you know that word, that word oracles in the Greek is the word uh, logion, L-O-G-I-O-N. It basically means utterances. Are you with me? The word oracles it means utterances. Okay, so it basically, it basically refers to the prophecies about, about Christ in the Old Testament. Are you following me? Now, all those prophecies about Christ, that uh, unto all the child is born, for example, Isaiah 53, unto all the son is given, the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called, that's Isaiah 53, sorry, Isaiah 9, sorry. And his name shall be called, Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God. I, I, I'm not saying you should turn there. Now, we have Isaiah 53 that says that, what, for he was wounded for our transgression, verse 5, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, by his stripes we were healed, and many other prophecies in the Old Testament. Those prophecies were among the Jews. Are you following me? Isaiah was a Jew. Jeremiah was a Jew. Ezekiel, every prophet, they were all Jews. They were all Israelites. So it was Israelites that had the promise. Gentiles did not even know about that there was a Savior that was coming. Only Jews knew. Are you following me? So that was, the, the Jews had an advantage that to them were committed the oracles of God. So they had an expectation. So in essence, it should have been easier for them to get saved. Right or right? Huh? Because they were the ones that were expecting a, a Savior. Are you following me? Okay, now follow. Um, um, okay, um, see verse 3. He said, what, For what if some did not believe? Okay, it says, um, For what if some did not believe? That what basically has to do with, uh, means what if some were unfaithful. Unfaithful to what? He has said that earlier in verse 2. They were unfaithful to what? To, to what? To the utterances. Don't forget, as I explained that, well, that was the meaning of the word oracles. So they were unfaithful to the oracles of God. They were unfaithful to those utterances. Are you following me? Okay. They were unfaithful to those utterances. Okay. And that simply means what? Unbelief. Are you following me? Huh? Okay. Okay. Look at verse 9. Go of time. Let's be very fast, please. It says, what then? Don't forget. We have seen that what is giving uh, contrast and similarities that exist between who? Between who? The Jews and the Gentiles. Okay. Now verse 9 says, what then? Are we better than they? So who are the we? Huh? Who are the day? Gentiles. Not at all. For we have previously charged both Jews and Greeks that they are all under sin. Can you see that? Okay? That they are all under sin. Now pay attention. Okay? 
um, look at verse 10. So one, yeah, yeah, he has, you see, he has brought them together in one point. In, in, I mean, in, uh, as regards to what the need for salvation, that all both Jews and Gentiles, they are all what under sin. Are you following me? Okay. Now, verse ten says, "What well, is written? There is no righteous, no not one. There is no one that understands." Now, there's some, it's only important to pay attention to from after quoting all these things. There is no righteous, no not one. There is no one that understands. Now, verse nine says, "What? Sorry, before before that, verse nine says, "What? Not at all. That the Jews are not better than the Greeks. Say what? For we are previously charged." How is it in KJV? We have what? Huh? We are before proven or before proved. What is it in KJV? Chapter 3, verse 9. Uh. We are before proved. Okay? So when he says before proved, he's talking about, he has, he has earlier proved that in his, in his argument. That's what he did in chapter 1 and chapter 2. Are you following me? Proving out that the Jews and genders are all that same. Psalm chapter 1 was talking about the word of God is revealed towards all the unrighteousness of man who holds the truth in unrighteousness. Talking about uh, since they will not retain God in their knowledge, he has what? Given them over to reprobate minds to do those things that are not convenient. And many other things. Talk about the Gentiles. Because the Gentiles and all their, their, their misconducts, all their malpractices, pagan practices, and everything. Okay? And that goes ahead in chapter 2 to talk about the Jews as well. Uh, even the Jews, before you start to, the, to claim, because the Jews, one thing the Jews, the Jews were always used to judging Gentiles. All these ones, the, the outsiders, goats, sinners, and everything. We are the ones that have it and everything. So Paul was saying that you guys are even boasting, that you are making your boasting the law. Do you do the law? Do you obey the law? You are just like them. Are you following me? So that way now say that what, in chapter 3, that what we have, chapter 3, verse 9, that what we have pre- previously charged both the Jews and the Greeks that they are all in that sin. Are you following me? Now, look at what he now said next. Says, As it is written, there is none righteous, no not one. There is no one, there is none that understands, there is none that seeks after God. They are all turned aside. They are become together unprofitable. There is none who does good, no not one. Their throat is an open tomb, KJV sepulchre. With their tongues, they have they practiced deceit. The poison of asp is on their, under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Defeat. Their feet is as sweet to shed blood, destruction, and means we are in their ways. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now, all these things that I just, that I, I just, that I just read from verse 10 to verse 18, that as it is written, as it is written, those things were quotes from the Old Testament writings. Are you following me? From the book of Psalms. Most of them are from the book of Psalms. You see some from Isaiah, from Ezekiel as well. Are you following me? Huh? Okay. So, now, so, it's, so that means those, um, those a- a- accusations, permit me to use those words, accusations were basically said towards the Jews because they were among them. Okay, now look at, look at verse 19. I want to bother that. Now we know that whatever the law says, that's in, in um, reference to what he had just quoted from verse 10 to verse 18. Are you following me? Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law. Who are under the law? Jews or Gentiles? Huh? Who are the law? Jews. Okay? It says to those who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may be guilty before God. So the proof that what? Just as the Gentiles were under sin, the Jews as well were under sin. Are you following me? So same with me. Okay? They say that what? That every mouth may be stopped. Both Jews or Gentiles. So the Jews will not try to be boasting and accusing and judging the Gentiles. Okay? And at all the words, what are the words? Means what the Jews and the Gentiles. Okay? May be guilty before God. Therefore by the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. 
Okay? Now say that was but now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed. I think KJV is the word manifest or something. Okay? I explained that what the word that word means panero. It does not mean that what the righteousness of God was not existing before. It means that what the righteousness of God has now been what made known. Are you following me? It has always been, but now it has been made known. So that what it was being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Can you see that? That's talking about what the old answers. Don't forget, I've said that earlier in verse, in verse 2, that what, it was the Jews that were committed what the oracles of God, the utterances. Are you following me? Are you following me? So you see that what this righteousness of God has been witnessed before by the law and the prophet. I explained that in my teaching on righteousness, what you ought to know, um, 2018. Okay? So what even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ, pay attention, even the righteousness of God which is through faith in Jesus Christ to all and upon all that believe. So all the word all there means what in context? Both the Jews and the Gentiles. Okay? To all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. What do you mean for there is no difference? For there is no difference between the Jews and the Gentiles. Can you see that? Now in answer to what? For all have sinned. So what does it mean by there is no difference between the Jews and the Gentiles? For all have sinned. That is both the Jews and the Gentiles have sinned. Can you see that? Does that, does that verse, is that verse clearer now? Okay? And come short of the glory of God. But now, in other words, now, the point is that was being justified freely. So, for all I've seen, is he talking about you today? Huh? Okay? In other words, being justified freely through, by his grace, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Don't forget that justification is on the premise of something he has said in verse 22. The righteousness of God or justification of God, which is what? Through what? Through what? Verse 22. The righteousness of God, which is through what? Through faith in Christ Jesus. Okay? So the people that are talking about that are being justified are those that have what? Received it through faith. Are you following me? Being justified. It's talking about being justified by faith. So free, being justified freely by His grace. So that what Paul emphasizes always in the Bible was always been grace through faith. Grace through faith. You remember Ephesians 2 by 8 to 9. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, let man should boast. Are you following me? So it says that what? Um, um, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God, verse 25, set forth as a propitiation, look to your Bibles, by his blood, through what? Through faith. To demonstrate his righteousness, because in his forbearance God had passed over the sins that were previously committed, to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness, that he might be just, and the justifier of who? Of the one that what? That has faith in Jesus. I think it is the word that believeth in Jesus. Otherwise, that says, where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law of works? No, but by the law of faith. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart, apart from the deeds of the law. Or is it the God of the Jews only? Is it not also the God of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also. So there is one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the circumcised through faith. Do we then make void the law through faith? Certainly not. On the contrary, we establish the law. So Paul has established out that what on the premise of salvation, there's no difference between the Jews and the Gentiles. Right or right? Alright. So follow from there. Um, um chapter nine. Okay? So one thing we have seen so far. One thing we have seen so far. Is that what is important for you to note that he mentions the, these terms? Before, okay, please pay attention. Okay. Now it's important for you to note that what the way Paul use of words Jews and Gentiles, he mentions them 
not in respect to individuals. He did not mention them as individuals, but as distinct races. Are you following me? The Jews as a race, the Gentiles as a race. Are you following me? So he's not talking about individuals among them, but what um, categorizing them, generalizing the Jews as a race, generalizing the Gentiles as a race. Are you following me? So it's important for you to take note of that because it's going to be helpful as we as we continue our investigation. All right. So move to um, chapter nine. Chapter nine. Are we there? Verse one. It says, "I tell the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost that I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart." Look at verse three. Are we there? It says what? For I would, I could wish that I myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my countrymen according to the flesh. Who am? What is that word? My countrymen according to the flesh. You see some verses. You see kinsmen and everything. Okay, according to the flesh. In um, the New International Version, is used as um, those of my own race. Are you following me? So he's talking about what race. Okay. Now, okay. Um, now he says what I wish that myself I were accursed. For my brethren. So who is, who was, who is Paul's brethren here? Huh? 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 The Jews or Israelites. Are you following me? You see that in verse 4 where he says who are Israelites. Are you following me? Okay. So verse 3 he says that I could wish that I myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my countrymen according to the flesh. Okay. So this, um, this actually is an expression that shows his passion and love for his fellow Israelites. Are you following me? However, that wish was something impossible either ways. Are you following me? That's why I say, that's why I call it just a wish. You know, he had, he had earlier confirmed before this statement that what not in charge can separate him from the love of Christ. Okay? So he cannot even be accursed or excommunicated from Christ for, for someone else. Are you following me? Okay? So, um, um, now this is similar to a story that happened in Exodus 32. Verse 30 to 35 there about um, in the time of Moses when Moses uh, found out that uh, that the Jews were corrupting themselves with the golden calf and everything and he told God ah God they have sinned God please uh, hope you will forgive them if you won't forgive them just blot me out out of the book and he said no it's those that sin are we punished and everything are you following me I was saying that just blot me out from your book talk about the book of the living okay that when it says book of the living that means blotting you out of the book means what that you kill Okay, and you just kill me and everything. Alright. So um but say that what well, it is those that sin, okay, that will be punished, okay, that will that will be visited with their sin, as it were. Alright, so um verse three. Says that what for I could wish that I were across from Christ for my brethren, who are who are my countrymen according to the flesh, who are Israelites, to whom pertain the adoption, the glory, the covenants, and the giving of the law. Can you see what he's talking about Israel now? Can you see that that's the advantage of the Jews? Can you see that? Verse 4. Who are Israelites to whom pertain the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the service of God, and the promises? Now it says, of whom are the fathers? That's about the fathers in the Old Testament. And from whom, according to the flesh, Christ came. Can you see that? Who is over all the eternally blessed God? Amen. Alright. Okay? So so it should have been easier for them to get saved, isn't it? Huh? Because they had everything well planned out. Alright. But look at verse 6. Now it says, But it is not that the word of God has taken no effect. 
Okay, I can see that time is really spent, so I will just calm down with, with dealing with this. We'll move to Corinthians next week. Alright, so is, um, verse 6, are we there? Yes. But it is not that the word of God has taken no effect. For they are not all Israel who are of Israel. Can you see that? Nor are they all children because they are the seed of Abraham. But in Isaac, you know, that's similar to what we, are, what we saw earlier in chapter 2. I was saying that what a Jew is not the one outwardly. You remember that I was saying that what and that someone is born a Jew does not automatically convert salvation on the person. You remember that, right? Okay, okay. So he has to um, believe in the gospel. Okay, he has, he has to place his faith um, in God's um, provision of grace. All right. So um, move to um, verse thirty. Guess verse thirty. Okay, that's fine. Verse thirty. Are we there? Romans nine thirty. Are we together? Don't forget. It is taking them as what distinct races, not as individuals. The Jews as a race and the Gentiles as a race. Are you following me? Okay. There could be some internal differences among the Jews. Because there were truly some Jews that believed and some Jews that did not believe. For example, Paul was a Jew. Okay. That same way, among the Gentiles, there were some Gentiles that believed, there some Gentiles that did not believe. But now it's taking them categorically as races, Jews, Gentiles. So pay attention. Okay, verse, 20, uh, verse 30. Romans 9, 30. He says, What shall we say then? That the Gentiles, who did not pursue righteousness, can we follow after righteousness, have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness of what? The righteousness of faith, or by faith. That says, that's talking about the Gentiles. They did not pursue righteousness. Why could they not pursue righteousness? Because they didn't have the promise, they didn't have every, any other thing. So they were not even expecting it in the first place. But when the fulfillment came, all they did, they, what, they placed their faith and they received it. Are you following me? That says, but Israel, pursuing the law of righteousness, has not attained to the law of righteousness. Can you see the contrast between them now? That says, what, why? KJV uses the word wherefore. It means why. It's a question of why. It says, because they did not seek it by faith. Can you see that? But as it were by the works of the law, for they stumbled at that stumbling stone, as it is written, that figurative of Jesus, as it is written, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and a rock of offense, and whoever believes in him shall not be put to shame. Alright. So you see that what, you can see one difference that exists, um, that between the Jews and the Gentiles. The Gentiles, did, though they didn't have the promise and everything, they were not having an expectation, but when it came, they what they believed. They placed their faith, and they received that righteousness. Okay? But the Jews that had the promise and everything, they were striving for it, but they did not receive it. Okay? And now say, look at what it says. Brethren, so the Jews did not receive the righteousness of God, which is by faith, because they were seeking it by the law, by works. Are you following me? Now that's what brethren, my heart desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. Can you see that? So you see that what salvation and righteousness are always hand in hand. Can you see that? They, they did not have the righteousness of God, so they were not saved. Can you see that? So a man that is saved is a righteous man. A righteous man is a man that is saved. So if a man is not righteous, then he's not saved. If a man is not saved, then he's not righteous. Are you following me? So you see that when my desire and prayer to God for Israel, don't forget Israel as a race. Because there were many Israelites that were saved. Peter, all the twelve. Everybody that was saved in the book of Acts, the, the, the bulk of them were Jews. Stephen, Philip, Pocos, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, Nicolas, 
all of them, Ananias that laid out on Paul, and many of them, Barnabas, they were all were Jews. Are you following me? So yes, taking them as what they raised. Are you following me? So it's not that he's praying that was Peter will get saved. Is he? Was he? Okay. Huh? Huh? No, that's not what I said. I said it's, it's not that he was praying that Peter. I mean, it was it was. I mean, it's not that he was praying for Peter to be saved. Was he? Okay, that means was he praying for Peter to be saved? No. All right. Okay. Now says, brethren, my desire and prayer to God for Israel that is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that look at pay attention. For I, don't forget they were seeking. They were not seeking it by faith, but by work. But by what? But by works. Are you following me? Are you following me? That's the word. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God. That means they actually have a passion for God. But what? But what's the but? What's the problem? But not according to knowledge. What's the opposite of knowledge? Ignorance. That's why it says in the next verse, what? For they being ignorant of God's righteousness. Can you see that? And seeking to establish their own righteousness have not submitted to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believes. Can you see that? Huh? So what was the problem of Israel? What? Unbelief. Right or right? Huh? Right or right? Okay. As a race now. Israel as a race. Now this is, for Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law. The man who does those things shall live by them. You see that in Leviticus 18 verse 5. Now says what? Um, okay. Now says what? But. So that was what I said earlier in verse 5. Is about what the righteousness is of the law. Are you following me? That what a man who does those things shall live by them. Are you following me? So that means there, there is actually a. Pay attention now. There is a demand on the man to do something in order to live. Are you following me? That's the works mentality. The work consciousness that the law promotes. Are you following me? The man who does those things shall live by them. But see that one in the New Testament is what grace and faith. Right or right? Now you see the argument. That's what, so that's about the law in, the, in verse 5. That says, but, that's a contrast. The righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? That is, to bring Christ down from above. Or who will ascend also oh, descending to the abyss. That is to bring Christ up from the dead. Now this the book of the statements were, were made by Moses, but Paul brings it out to to suit this context. Okay? So the residence of the faith, verse 6, but the residence of faith speaks this way. Do not say in your heart. Now you see that what he's, he's talking to Jews, Israel, right or right? Okay? The residence of faith. See, don't forget, when you say, when you mention law, 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 you know I talk about the Jews in the first place. Okay, the Gentiles never have no anything about the law of Moses in the first place. And even if they had an inkling, they didn't give it them. Okay? Now, say the words, um, do, but the resident ways of faith speaks this way. Do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who will as, or descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. So in essence, he's talking about a message that these people have, uh, maybe they heard this, the Jews, okay, that the Jews heard this and they were, I mean, that is not saying that, well, do not say in your heart that who will ascend from above to bring Christ from, from heaven? Or who will descend into the abyss 
to raise Jesus from the dead. That's, that's talking about a statement of unbelief. Are you following me? Are you following me? That I do not believe that it has happened. Or that it happened. Are you following me? Are you following me? Okay? Now, now don't forget, the statement that Paul used here is the word Christ. Because the Christ, I've explained a number of times, as well as in December 3, that what Christ means what the anointed. That word means, that means of Christ. Anointed. That means the person chosen for the, for the work or for the assignment. Or the chosen one. Are you following me? So what Christ means, so the Jews knew that Christ is the person that was prophesied. That's the boy that is coming. That person is the Christ. He is the Messiah. Are you following me? But they did not believe that that person is the person that was given birth to by Mary. And they didn't believe that Jesus was the Christ. Are you following me? So whenever I say Jesus Christ, we mean that we are affirming that Jesus is the Christ. Are you following me? Okay, so that's why you say that what he says that what okay, do not say you had um okay uh, to bring Christ, um, uh, Christ from above or to um, bring Christ up from the dead. So I said that what this is actually a statement of unbelief. Okay, since they did not see either with their physical eyes, they did not see Jesus descending from heaven, that they will not believe. The, the, the all, all, they, all they saw was someone who was born, that some of them they attended their his naming. And it was not claiming that he came from heaven. Okay? And then now did they see Jesus when he rose from the dead? When Jesus rose from the dead, did he, uh, did he manifest himself to everybody? At least we saw, we saw John um, 15 together, John together last week. When Jesus rose from the dead, did he manifest himself to everybody? No, just to his disciples. Okay? So the Jews did not see any either. Okay? Bringing him up from heaven or bringing him out of the abyss. Are you following me? So what is the statement of unbelief? Are you following me? Okay. So the Jews actually they did not see. That's why Jews always sought a sign, so something that they would see, so that they would believe. Are you following me? Let's see and um, we'll just bookmark this and let's go to John six in a moment. I think John six has been a verse that I mean a passage that we have got to um, to visit a number of times this series. Okay, but let's see something important in John six. So the Jews always sought signs so that they could see and believe. John 6, are we there? John 6, verse 26. Are we there? Okay, he says what? Jesus answered and said, Most assuredly I say to you. Now, now this was after Jesus, uh, earlier, earlier Jesus had, um, the day before, Jesus just fed them with five loaves of bread and two uh, pieces of fish. Are you following me? Huh? Okay, now the next day they came to Jesus, they were, they were, the Moses were chasing him all around, and Jesus knew why they came. Okay, <laughs> free, free bees, free meal. Are you following me? Now look at verse 26. Jesus said, Most surely I said to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Can you see that? That says, Do not labor for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life. Which the Son of Man will give you because, the, because God the Father has set his seal on him. The follow. Then they said to him, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. Now look at their response. Therefore they said to him, Look at what sign will you perform there? Can you see that? They always sought signs. When we, we check, um, um, when we move to Corinth um, next week, you see, you see, a reference to Jews always seeking signs. Every time signs, Matthew 12 as well, they were always seeking signs. I was signed, what sign? Show us the sign, show us the sign. A number of times the Pharisees would meet you, saw the sign. They just would say, I will no sign will be given to you. 
but the sign sign of the prophet um, prophet Jonah. And that's in verse 40 that was, for as Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Are you following me? Okay? So the Jews were always seeking signs. Look at verse 30 again. It says, What sign will you show perform then? It says that, that we may see it and believe. Or what work will you do? And you see that it says, Our fathers ate the manna in the desert that it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Look at Jesus' response. The Jesus said to them, Most surely I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven. But my father gives you the true bread from heaven. So Jesus is just disclaiming that um, manna is heavenly food. For many of you, I think this, this series is actually going to take over now from, from the, my longest series in 2018, um, the New Covenant series. Investigating the New Covenant for six weeks then. I mean, sorry, introducing the New Covenant for six weeks then. In, investigating the New Covenant for four weeks. Alright. Now one thing I got to explain, I got to explain like extensively on the law of Moses. Got to understand many about the law of Moses and, and the law and everything. The old covenant, the new covenant, the transition into the new covenant and many other things. Alright. Now one thing we saw, I explained that when that word manna, when you see this, when you see this thing, I cannot examine it because of time, but when you, when, when, when they woke up and they saw what happened, I mean when they, they saw that what they, um, they didn't have something before, but when they came, they also, ah, ah, you can find fine garnets on I mean something like coriander seed and everything. And that's that what um 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 this is manna. That was the statement that was given. This is manna. Manna actually in Hebrew in the Bright Lexicon is a question. Is a what question. Manna actually means what. So it was actually a question that this is what or what is this? That's why you see that Moses now responded that what well, this is the bread which God is going to give. Moses and I responded to that statement. Are you following me? So because of that, because of this, the the um, experience, the event that happened, they now named it manna as well. Are you following me? But basically, manna is a question, is a what question, that what, what is this? Okay? Are you following me? Now, just pay attention. It says, verse 22, uh, 32 again, John 6, 32 says, Most surely I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven. So Jesus is just disclaiming that manna is heavenly bread. Now you answer that what? But my father gives you the true bread of heaven. Don't forget, yes, last week when I was talking about um, John 15, true vine, I explained that what the word true always always explains that what they are usually counterfeit. But you are to, it's trying to draw your focus to the real thing. Are you following me? Okay? So this is that what? For, 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 um, my, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the, look at, for the bread of God is he who comes down from where? Huh? From where? From heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. KJV, evermore give us the bread. Evermore is the word pantote. It means always. So he said that will give us the bread always. Their mind was still on what they ate the last day. Ah, give us this bread always. Ah, no need to spend money on bread again. Are you following me? But look at Jesus' response now. So he said that was, ah, if God should be, he will keep on giving us bread from heaven. Ah. Then, then, at least we, that one's already, that one's already out of our, 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 Abida said it already, it's already part out of our expenses. Okay? Now look at Jesus' response to that now. See? And Jesus said, verse 35, and Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. And he who believes in me shall never thirst. Can you see the reason for that response? So I will give us this bread always. So that means, when you are giving us always, when we are hungry, and you give us that, like, we will always satisfy our hunger. Be satisfying our hunger. 
Are you following me every time? But what Jesus said that was, either is this bread we never hunger. That means what you partake of this bread how many times? Once and for all. Are you following me? And he that believes in me shall never thirst. That is why but I said to you that, there is, that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. That's an assurance. For I will come, for I have come down from heaven. So did you just say categorically that he came from heaven? Huh? Alright. Now look at follow that. Not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that of all he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life and I will raise him up at the last day. The Jews then complained about him, because he said what? I am the bread that came down from heaven. Look at their response in verse 42. And they said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it that he says, I have come down from heaven? Can you see that? A statement of what? Unbelief. Can you see that? And he has earlier said that what there are some of you that do not believe. So I'm just giving you that as a pointer to what was happening, what Paul was bringing as, as his argument in Romans 10. Are you with me? So move back to Romans 10. So that what the resonance of, 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 of faith says that what do not say you are to be ascending to heaven, that is to bring Christ from above what will descend to the abyss to bring Christ from the dead. So that is a statement of unbelief. You know, they didn't believe that Jesus was that Christ. Okay? Ah, you. It's not you. Come on. Oh, hey, hey, hey. I had two plates of rice in your name, you know. Hey, but I took extra packaging and everything. Oh, you this small boy. And you cannot come in from nowhere and say that you, are, you came from heaven. Who are you trying to deceive and everything? Okay? But look at, but look at what it now says. Verse 8. It says, but what does it say? Verse 8. But what does it say? What is the it there? From verse 6. What's the it in verse 8? Huh? The righteousness of faith. Don't worry, it is the righteousness of faith that is speaking. That what, but the righteousness of faith speaks this way. Do you know what you had? That's like, but what does it say? That means, what does the righteousness of faith speak? Are you following me? What is it saying? It's like what, the word is near you. That's a quotation from Moses' words as well in that same Deuteronomy um, 30. Um, but what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That's the word that is spoken by what? By the righteousness of faith. Okay? Unlike the righteousness of the law, that what he that does this thing shall live by them. You do something to get something, a demand from you. But that what the righteousness of faith says that what? The word is nigh you, in your heart and in your mouth. Are you following me? Now, you now follow that word. Um, that is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. Can you see that what Jesus, I mean, Paul now brings into the argument that same person that is referring to as the Christ. He measures in that word Jesus. Are you following me? That that's the Christ that came from above and also was from the dead. Are you following me? Huh? Okay, this is what, that if you believe, confess in your heart the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So, okay, I said in verse 1 that what is desire and prayer to God is that Israel may be saved. That means they were not saved because they did not believe that Jesus rose from the dead. They did not believe in Jesus. Are you with me? So it says in verse 10 that what, for, um, so verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart man believes to righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. So what is the whoever now? Don't forget the context earlier. 
whoever means what either Jews or Gentiles or both Jews and Gentiles believes on him will not be saved for there is no distinction so it's clear now for there is no distinction between the Jews and the Greek verse 12 for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him either Jew or Gentile for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved Jew or Gentile how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed and how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard and how shall they hear without a preacher and how shall they preach unless they are sent that it is written? How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. That's a quotation from Isaiah 52, verse 7 and now 115. And it says, um, but they have, look and pay attention to verse 16. Now the major point of his focus, of course focus now, is who? Is it the Israelites or the Gentiles? Huh? Don't forget, he's praying to God that, and his desire that they should be saved. Because they were not saved. They did not believe. Are you with me? Huh? Okay. Look at verse 16. Say what? But they have not all obeyed the gospel. Who is he talking about? Okay. Look at says. Look at now. Pay attention to verse 16 very well. It says, For, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. Now, so what does it mean to obey the gospel? Now, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So, what does it mean to obey the gospel? Okay, to believe. Okay, that's obedience to the gospel. Now that's going to be helpful. Okay, as we go down this series as well, and even in our December retreat. Okay, to obey the gospel means to believe. Now, I said that was, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Okay, let me just say this briefly. So then is the uh, in the in the Hebrew is um uh, sorry in the Greek is ara. Okay, faith comes. And faith is pistis, of course. Comes by. I'm talking about the way it is in the in the um, uh, in the original wording now. Okay, faith pistis comes by hearing. That's akois. Now and hearing akoi by the word remato. Okay, that means the word here is rema and not logos. Okay, but now says of God. Now in the original wording, wording is the word Christu. Christu. You know, Christ means what Christos in the in the Greek. So when it says of Christ is Christo. G S R I S T O U. So you see that what the word in the original wording is not Theo, Theo. That would mean of God. But actually of Christ. How is it in your own version? Of Christ, can you see? But in, you see that in the KJV you say that what by the word of God. Faith coming by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But actually talk about the word of Christ. Okay, so it's talking about so what's the word of Christ from the context of what we are saying so far? The gospel. Are you following me? So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Then we will see a word about Christ. But I say, verse 18, have they not heard? Yes, indeed. Their sound has gone out. Don't forget, he said that word, how shall they be, said earlier that how shall they believe on whom they have not heard? How shall they, uh, how shall they call on whom they have not believed? How shall they believe on whom they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? Are you following me? Now that's in verse 18 that word, their sound has gone out to the end of all the earth and their words to the end of all the world. So that means what they were they were actually preachers, right or right? Huh? So that means they had heard. Huh? Okay. That is, but I say, did Israel not know? For Moses says, I will provoke you to jealousy by those who are not a nation. So who are the people that are not a nation? Huh? Gentiles. And I will move you to anger by a foolish nation, that is the Gentiles. But Isaiah is very bold and says, I was found by those who did not seek me. Who are they? The Gentiles. And I was made manifest to those who did not who did not ask after me. But to Israel, he says, all day long I have stretched my out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. 
in case if you see the word ginseng, okay, I think it's the Greek is anti-lego. It has to do with contrary that they are always contradicting. Are you following me? Always opposing. Okay, that's what it means. Alright. Now, so in answer to what I say then, as God cast away his people, Nasa what? Certainly not. In case you see the word God forbid, right? Okay, so it's what? Certainly not. Okay? As God cast away his people, certainly not. Okay? So the people there, is it, you see that what? It is not talking about individuals, but Israel as a race. Are you following me? Right or right? Don't forget, Paul was an Israelite and he was saved. I've mentioned others, Peter, Barnabas, and many others in, in Acts and everything. Okay, that's what, look at that, that, that's even to make it clearer. See that what? It says, God forbid, God has not cast away his people. He says, For I also am an Israelite. Can you see? And I explained earlier that what he, that what he has, is already saved, is in the body of Christ. Nothing can separate him from the love of Christ. Are you following me? The love of God in Christ Jesus. He said, For I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not cast away his people, whom he foreknew. Or do you not know that the scripture says of Elijah, how he pleads with God against Israel, saying, Lord, that this actually is something that happened in 1 Kings. Okay, 1 Kings 19. You, you know the story. After, after um, Elijah um, slew the prophet of Baal, and Jezebel said in a letter that I would God do so to me and more if by tomorrow that your, your life is not taken from me and everything. I see the same bold man that came and commanded fire. What did he do? The same, the same man that, that was bold that commanded fire. Not even before the commanded fire. The way the supernatural speed by which we are to run Ahab to run into Jezebel before the rains. When he had of the message of, of Jezebel, what did he do? <laughs> he was, he used, he used, he used another speed of his own <laughs> to, run, <laughs> to, to run away. <laughs> like I would say, he jacked back, back to Japan. Okay. <laughs> or Waka to Wakanda. Okay, so he just, he just, you see, he was, he ran away. Okay, now look at something he said. Um, when so uh, he, he, he ran away, and that was when he, he, he now had what happened to him that uh, he now went on a, on a journey for 40 days and 40 nights to, to Sinai without food and water. And before the journey, the angel gave him food twice. I said, I eat. The second time, he said, Eat for the journey before you is so great. Are you following me? So when I go to Sinai, that way, God said, What are you doing here? and everything. And I said, I'll be so jealous of my Lord that I am the only one. And everything. That was being um, Paul is referencing here. Verse 3, are we there? Verse, three, verse 2 says that what, for what does the scripture say of Elijah? Ah, don't forget, the argument is that what God has not cast away Israel. By the right. Okay? That's what, for what does Elijah say when he pleads with God against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars, and I alone am left, and they seek my life. Look at, but what does the divine response say? I can't even use the word the response of God, but Theos is not actually used there. I'm really talking about divine response. By that way, it's the response of God, though. Okay, but what does the divine response say to him? I have reserved for myself 7,000 men that have not bowed their knee to Baal. Can you see that? So it just, um, so, so it says, I don't think that you are the only one, though. There are 7,000 more. What do you say? Okay, shock you. <laughs> okay, there are 7,000 more. Now, these people, these 7,000, now pay attention, these 7,000 people, you see that what? I have reserved for myself 7,000 men that have not bowed the knee to Baal. 
So, is it that God, they were trying to bow their knee and God was holding their knees? No. No, sir. You are not bowing. Is that what happened? They didn't bow of their own will. That means because they believed in God. Are you following me? So, they believed in God. That's why they obeyed the commandments. Don't forget the first two commandments. That shall have no other God before me. Second commandment is that what? Um, that shall not bow thyself to any given image or whatever. Are you following me? Okay, so they, they believed. So they obeyed. So they, okay. So important for you to know that what there's okay, there's something being pointed out there. So even so, verse five. At this present time, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. Now that's in verse six. And if by grace, then it is no longer of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. Important to bookmark verse six. And but if it is of works, it is no longer grace. Otherwise, work is no law, is no longer work. Can you see? So it is one thing that is always emphasized very well in the Bible. Okay? So it's that what if it is by grace, it is not of works, or else grace is no longer grace. If it is by work, then it's no longer grace. Otherwise, work is no longer work. Okay? Um Okay, so one thing we have seen so far is that what the emphasis of Paul over and over has been that what grace through faith, right? Right? Huh? Grace through faith. Grace, grace, grace. God's, God's um, action is grace. Man's response is what faith. Quite alright. Huh? Alright. Now, so he now says what? What then? Israel has not obtained what it seeks, but the elect have obtained it. So how did the elect obtain it? Okay, by believing. And the rest were blinded. So that means Israel was divided into two groups. We have the elect and the rest. If I say that was, if I say there are only two people that have sense in this world, I and others. Okay, that, something like that. Okay, <laughs> something like that. So you say that what? So you divide Israel into two groups. That what they are the elect, those that have believed, and what the rest, those that refused to believe and they were blinded. Are you following me? Now in verse eight, just as it is written, God has given them a spirit of stupor, eyes that they should not see and ears that they should not hear. To this very day, and David says, Let their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and a recompense to them. Let their eyes be darkened so that they do not see and bow down their back always. Okay, now talk about them because of what's unbelief, father right? Okay, now says, I say then, Have they stumbled that they should fall? So, who are the people that are stumbled? Huh? Huh? No, basically, uh, Israelites. Okay, have they stumbled that they should fall? Says what? Certainly not. Is it, KJV? Is it God forbid in KJV? Still God forbid, right? Huh? Okay, have they stumbled that they should fall? Now, please, I want you to get this so you will not mix it. You see what is very important? Um, the, 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 the tools of Bible um, in, uh, hermeneutics that I taught in this, our second exhibit, exhibit B, um, the Bible and the Believer. To always but pay attention to, what, to the origin of words. Now you see how it helps in this verse. There are many verses like that in Philippians, a part of Philippians that says, uh, be careful for nothing. Okay? But, but, uh, I think that's in Philippians 4, but, uh, I think verse 6 there about, or is there everything that prayer and supplication, uh, returns giving, be, uh, that your request be made unto God. So he's instructing that be careful for nothing. But when that moves to some verses below, he answers that what, but I'm glad that you were careful in this. Can you see? Would it be like, does it sound like a, a contradiction? But you see that what the origin of those words were different. When I said be careful for nothing, the careful means would be anxious for nothing. The other one was like, uh, the other careful was that they were, they took something to heart. They paid attention to it. Okay, are you following me? Okay, just look at something here now, verse, verse, um, verse, um, 11. I say then, have they stumbled, 
I know that's, it's like what I'm saying is like, it's like I was rapping to an extent. So, <laughs> some of you guys, hope it's not like I was I rapping. <laughs> Don't worry. Okay, verse 11. So I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? Now, pay attention to what I'm, I'm going. Have they stumbled that they should fall? Yeah, what? That means what? Certainly not means that what? They did not stumble to the end that they will fall. Are you following me? Okay, but look at what I said that. But through their fall, to provoke them to jealousy. Doesn't it look like a contradiction? That they have not stumbled so that they will fall. But that's that what? But through their fall. If you say through their fall, that means they must fall first. Are you following me? But you already said that they have not stumbled that they should fall. That is a contradiction. Though that looks like a contradiction. So it's important to always pay attention to the origin of the words. The word fall there, there are two different words. The one thing I explain in, in um, KJV is that what English is a very limited language. It will take many of the words that are synonyms in English. And you take them as one word. The Bible, I mean, the, the, the dictionary will become so slippery. Okay, so that's why many times you can see many words. Like for example, we saw the word righteousness in one place with Dikaiosune, another place with Dikaioma. So many times when you just see words that are kind of a little bit connected, they will just use one word to qualify all of them. So you will never get a clear understanding if you don't look for the origin of words. Many times, are you following me? Now, see what have they stumbled that they should fall? The first fall there in the Greek. Is the word um, pipto, p and pipto, peto, okay, p i p t o, and uh, uh, the o has an accent on it. Then we have peto, p e t o, the o has an accent on it as well. So actually, that's the one that has to do with that is that's the, that that suggests the the literal falling. I want someone falls. Are you following me? Literally. But when so when you take that metaphorically as well, you know that we're talking about a falling, a refall, like like a failure. Are you following me? That's what pito peto means. So is that what have they stumbled that they should fall? That 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 that's the end for them? No. But that's that what. But that through their fall. Okay, that fall there. The second fall there is the word pa, pa, um, paraptoma. Okay, paraptoma. P a r a p. Oh sorry, paraptoma. P a r a p t o m a. The O has an accent on it. Paraptoma. Okay. Actually, it simply means transgression. That's what it means. So that's that one has to do with your attitude towards something, a wrong attitude, transgression. Okay? Okay? So what is it that was have they stumbled that they should fall of or falter? No. That's God forbid. But through their transgression, are you following me? But through their transgression to provoke them to jealousy. Salvation has come to the Gentiles. Don't forget, earlier I said in chapter, chapter 10, verse 19, uh, a, a prophecy from, uh, from Isaiah. I'm uh, sorry, a prophecy um, from Moses' statement in Deuteronomy that I will, I will provoke you to jealousy by those who are not a nation. Are you following me? Okay, so he said that was um, verse 11. I said then, have they stumbled that they should fall? Said certainly not. Now please pay attention. But that through their fall, that's through their transgression, to provoke them to jealousy, Salvation has come to the Gentiles. So then that was God in his infinite wisdom. Okay? Um, 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 made, did not just provide salvation for the Gentiles. Are you following me? But also use that salvation as a means to provoke Israelites to jealousy. So that them too will look at it now. We are those who have the promises now. And we are not falling short. Ah, no way. And they will what? They will thirst after it. Are you following me? Okay, so look, I said what, but through uh, to provoke them to jealousy, salvation has come to the Gentiles. Now, if their fall is riches to the world, 
So therefore, there will it be pipto, pipto, peto, or paraptoma? Okay, thank you very much, paraptoma. For if their fall, their transgression, is the reason of the world, and their failure reaches for the Gentiles, how much more their fullness? So he's saying that God has not cast them out. Okay, that even their fullness will be greater than now. That's the word. For I speak to you, Gentiles, inasmuch as I am an apostle to the Gentiles. Please permit me to, to round this off. My time is fast spent already. For I speak to you, Gentiles, inasmuch as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my office. If by any means I may provoke you to jealousy, provoke to jealousy those who are my flesh, that's um, Jews, Israelites, and save some of them. For if their being cast away is the reconciling of the world, what will their acceptance be but life? From the dead. Okay, sorry, a moment. All right, all right. So um, all right. So okay, because of time, I will just I will just um mention. For, so you see, um, I am uh, Paul made reference to these things that were happening. Don't forget, as earlier I explained out that well, the Jews had an advantage, but they still let it slip. Okay, and that would happen in Acts 13 as well. In Antioch and Pisidia, when he preached to the Jews and the Jews were, were doing anyhow, then the, when they left the synagogue, the Gentiles begged that what the, um, he should preach the message to them. Then the next uh, Sabbath, the, almost the whole multitude, the whole city was full. The synagogue was full to the brim. The Gentiles wanted to hear the word. Then the Jews were now jealous of it. Then they now started to blaspheme against contradict what he said and everything. Then one thing he said that was, it was needful. That's Paul and Barnabas. So that was, it was needful that the word of God be preached to you first. But now that you judge yourself unworthy of eternal life, we turn to the Gentiles. Same thing he said in, in Acts 28, um, the, uh, I think verse, tw- verse 28, I think uh, um, 28, uh, two verses to the end of Acts, the book of Acts. So that was, that be it known unto you that what the salvation of the Lord Okay, I, has been, um, has been, how do you put this? That, um, the salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles and they will hear it. Okay, so it was always a statement to the Jews whenever they were, they were acting against the, the message. You guys, it should have been there for you. It was needful that the word be preached to you first. Okay, but since you, since you are contradicting, since you are gainsaying, you are contradicting what we preach, we turn to the Gentiles. Okay, so don't forget, he's talking about, he's grouping them as a race now, generalizing them as a race. Okay, so he says what, um, see verse 13, say what, okay, I, I speak to, okay, as an apostle, I'm a of okay, verse 15, he says, what if they are cast, being cast away because of the word, what would the acceptance be but life from the dead? He says, for if the first fruit is holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. So what do you mean? What's the front first with the lump, the root, the branches? Follow. Says verse 17. And if some of the branches were broken off, who were the branches that were broken off? Huh? Huh? The what? The Israelites. Right or right? The Jews. Okay? So that what? And you. So who is the you? Gentiles. Don't forget, you said in verse 13 that what I speak to you, Gentiles. Are you following me? Okay, so verse 17. So if some of the bodies were broken off, and you, being a wild olive, olive tree, when I say wild, you are not even part. Are you following me? In the, in the first place. Okay, so look at we're grafted in. Can you see that? Among them. And with them became a particular of the root and of the fatness of the olive tree. So you see how the, the, the root basically is talking about God. Are you following me? Okay. 
uh, and fatness of the olive tree, do not boast against the branches. For but if you do boast, remember that you do not support the roots, but that the roots support you. Paul is talking to who? to the Gentiles. Why the right? Okay, okay. You will say then, branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. Okay, now that says verse 20, well said, because of what? Because of unbelief they were broken off, and you stand by faith. Okay, do not be haughty, but fear. Tell what, because of unbelief the Israelites were broken off, why the Gentiles stand by faith? Why the whites? So it means that what the Israelites, or Israel would have not been broken off if they were in faith. By the whites. Huh? And likewise, the Gentiles would not stand if they were in unbelief. By the right. Okay, just follow. Now says verse 21. For if God did not spare the natural branches. Who are the natural branches now? Israelites. He may not spare you either. Who are the you? Gentiles. Now follow. Therefore consider the goodness and severity of God. On those who fell severity, but towards you goodness. If you continue in his goodness, otherwise you also will be cut off. Okay? So that what so if you don't want to be I mean so you will not be cut off, what are you supposed to do? You have to what continue in what? Continue how? In what? In his goodness. So how would they continue in his goodness? Don't forget, as Elias said in verse, verse um, 20, that what they were broken up because of unbelief, but you stand by what? Huh? Huh? You stand by what? So how are they going to continue in his goodness? By what? By faith. Are you following me? Now, just pay attention so you will get. You will get what is, what is being explained here. So that what? If you continue in his goodness, otherwise you also will be caught up. So it means that what? Um... Um, okay, now pay attention. See verse 23. That's 23 says, And they also, that's talking about what? Israel. Why the right? Huh? Okay, if they do not continue in unbelief, can you see that? We will be grafted in. For God is able to graft them in again. So, can you see that what is about is an argument of faith versus unbelief? Why the right? Okay, this faith versus unbelief. So, it's better for you to pay attention to that. So, don't forget. Paul is talking about the Jews and the Gentiles as race, as a race, not as individual set of people. Are you following me? But generalizing them as a race. Okay, so important for you to pay attention to that. For example, now, if I say uh, uh, Africa was widely known for paganism, but now they have received Christ. Are you following me? Does that mean that every person in Africa has received Christ? There are still many pagans, but there are many that have received Christ. Are you following me? So when I say that Africa was widely known for paganism, but I received Christ, I was generalizing Africa as a race. Okay, but that means I'm not saying that Africa did not continue in paganism. Okay, so now they what they have received Christ. By that way, I am just only generalizing them. It does not actually affect everybody in Africa. Are you following me? Okay, so this, this, this is important for you to know that this is a generalization of, 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 um, of Israel as a race. Okay, it's a generalization. So what the cutting off, the cutting off, um, in verse, um, verse 23 again, it says that what, if you continue in his goodness, otherwise you also will be cut off. Who will be cut off? The Gentiles. Right or right? 
Okay, so in Bible, it's about the cutting off of the Gentiles. Okay, he's talking about Christianity among the Gentiles. Okay, that Christianity could come to an end among the Gentiles. Are you following me? Are you following me? Okay, that Christianity could come to an end among the Gentiles. So he's talking about Christianity among the Gentiles and not about the salvation of individual Gentiles. Are you following me? See verse 24. See that was, for if you were cut out of the olive tree, which is wide by nature. Now basically he's talking about their alliance with the devil. Are you following me? See that was, and you were grafted contrary to nature into a, a cultivated olive tree. Olive tree. How much more will these, who are natural branches, be grafted in into their own olive tree? That's talking about what the Jews or the Israelites. So it means that what Israel had been broken off, right or right? Okay, but what about Paul? Was Paul broken up? Don't forget, I already said that what I wish that I could be, I could be, um, I could be, well, what was the word I used? Um, in chapter, um, I could be what I caused from Christ, but it's not possible. So even Paul, I was, so Israel was broken off, but Paul, who was an Israelite, was not broken off. Right or right? Okay, so in, in essence, it means that what, as, so as Israel was cut off, now pay attention, as Israel was cut off, and individual Jews that believed were still saved, right or right, just like Paul himself. So also, the Gentiles were grafted in by faith, okay? But individual Gentiles that did not believe were not saved. Are you following me? So it is a generalizing of the race, not of individuals. Okay, so um, does the cutting off have to do with individual laws of salvation? Huh? No. It has to do with what? The rejection of the gospel by a race. Are you following me? Not individuals. Okay, it has to do with what? The rejection of the gospel by a race. Not individuals. That is why they should continue in this. They should, not, they, should, they should not begin to boast and um, end up being like the Jews. You know, the Jews at first, they were boasting. They were the ones that were judging the Gentiles. But now, in answer that, there's no other And as a result of that, in the long run, they fell into unbelief when the fulfillment of the promise came and everything. So the same way, in answer that, now that the, the tide has turned around and you are the ones that are enjoying the promise, do not begin to boast against the Jews and make the same mistake that they made. Are you following me? Do not become high-minded, become proud. Or as you begin to, you end up what trusting your word in your own in your own self, and what lose your trust in the gospel. You will lose walking in faith. Okay, now, now, now that's not talking about individuals, but what as a race. So that what in the long run, in the long run, the people that that believe will begin to reduce, reduce, and as they are dying, as they are dying, the uh, more people that are being born will not believe. Are you following me? And that's how Christianity has been wiped off. From the Gentiles. Are you following me? So you see that what he's talking about what a race and not individual Gentiles. Are you following me? Are you following me? If it's close over, let me see your hands. Okay? So as the, the, the plaintiff through um, Romans 11, 21 or 22 be able to prove to us that um, we can lose our salvation. Okay? This is not talking about, it's not talking about what individuals. Okay? He's talking about what, what race. Just like Paul, Paul, Paul was an Israelite, but he was not cut off. 
Okay, many others, many other Jews that were saved were not cut off as well. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Glory to God. I think that was a long one. All right, so next week we'll be moving into um, um, Corinth and we'll start with 1 Corinthians 3. I think it's quite popular as well, verse 17 that says that whoever defies the temple of God, him shall God destroy. Some of you should have read it before. Whoever defies the temple of God, him shall God destroy and everything. Okay, so we'll continue with that next week. Are we blessed? Are we blessed? Hallelujah. Can we begin to, to can we just um, give God praise? Can we bless God for, for clarity? Can we bless God for clarity? Can we bless God for clarity? Hallelujah. Oh, glory to Jesus. Oh, bless his name, bless his name. Glory to God. Oh, for so much clarity, for so much clarity, nothing missing, nothing broken. Oh, glory, 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 hallelujah.